Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Off 43, SRN News. W262CP, Bayonet Point, WTBN, Pinellas Park. Portions of this hour have been pre-recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. But during those leisure times, and here's the danger, we are most vulnerable to moral temptation. You may not realize that, but that's true. Why? Because during those times of physical relaxation or even a change of pace, it's hard to maintain inner mental discipline. It's hard to maintain a, uh, a quiet time, Bible study, prayer that you normally have, at least you should normally have that. On the old TV show, Hee Haw, a patient told Doc Campbell that he had broken his arm in two places. Well, replied the doctor, stay out of them places. There are certain situations or conditions in which we find it more difficult than usual to resist temptation. One situation is when we are not busy doing something for the Lord. We all need vacations or other breaks to recharge our batteries, but those are the times when we need to be especially on our guard. King David provided us with a spectacular example of how terribly we can fall when we are not careful with our leisure time. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been the teaching pastor at Lakeside since 1981, and these programs are an extension of his preaching and teaching ministry. We have been studying the life of King David, the man God called a man after his own heart. In the past few classes, we were considering David's exemplary response to God's refusal to allow David to build his temple. David was able to praise God, even though God turned down his request. But now, if this was a movie, the ominous music would begin. Because we are about to see how David followed his wonderful spiritual victory with a horrible moral failure. Not only will we learn from David's life how dangerous leisure time can be, we will learn how we can avoid making the same kind of mistake. Now here's Pastor Steve to begin our lesson. In Kent Hughes' book, Disciplines of a Godly Man, he opens up the chapter on moral purity with these words. One need turn on the television for only a few minutes to feel the heat of the oppressive sensuality of our day. Most of the oppression is crude. A boring trip around the TV channels at midday invariably reveals at least one couple wrapped in bedsheets and much sensual monotony. But the heat has become increasingly artful, especially if its purpose is to sell, and he means the commercials here. The camera focuses close up in black and white on an intense, lusting male face over which is superimposed an amber flame, which then becomes a glowing bottle of Calvin Klein's obsession as the face intones its desire. Newer spots feature subtle cinematic images with prose from D.H. Lawrence, 
to know him, to gather him in. And Flaubert's Madame Bovary as she wanders around her illicit lover's bedroom. The sticky uh, steam of sensuality penetrates everything in our world. End of quote. He's right. He's absolutely right. Sensuality penetrates everything in our world. And unfortunately, that includes the church of Jesus Christ. According to Christianity Today magazine, a survey that they took, and I assume this was a survey with professing believers, one out of four men have committed adultery and nearly one half of the men surveyed have behaved in a sexually inappropriate way. And this sensuality has penetrated the leadership ranks of Christianity. It isn't just at the laity level, it's at the leadership level. Leadership Magazine reported that one hotel rented more X-rated movies during a youth workers convention than at any other time. And in the last few years, I can personally say that I know of, not necessarily know these people, but know of seven pastors that I'm aware of in the last few years, seven pastors who have failed morally and have ruined their ministry, which brings us this morning to our study of a leader who fell morally, and I'm referring to King David and his fall with Bathsheba. And for that, I'd like you to turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 11. Now, we've been covering the life of David, and we have finally arrived at what David is perhaps uh, most known for. And that is his moral fall with Bathsheba. Second Samuel chapter 11, and I'd like to read verses 1 through 5. Second Samuel, beginning at verse 1, chapter 11. Then it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now, when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful in appearance. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And one said, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? And David sent messengers and took her. And when she came to him, he lay with her. And when she had purified herself from her uncleanness, she returned to her house. And the woman conceived, and she sent and told David and said, I'm pregnant. This is one of the best-known stories, unfortunately, one of the best-known stories in the Bible. And it really doesn't end with Bathsheba reporting back to David that I'm with child. The story goes on to tell us about the consequences of David's sin and what he had to do or what he did with Uriah the Hittite. But we'll look at that, Lord willing, next Week. For today, I'd like us to focus on David's moral fall, just his uh, committing of adultery with Bathsheba, because there are lessons for us to learn from David's fall. We want to learn not only why, what reasons were behind David's fall, and you can definitely find some things that led up to this, but we also want to see the, the broad principles so we can learn from it and we can learn to not fall ourselves. Uh, we are susceptible and very vulnerable to moral failure. And that's why I wanted you to see what Christianity Today survey says, uh, how leaders are falling, how laity is falling in Christian circles. Now, there might be some here, and I suspect there are, 
who uh, immediately are thinking, you know, uh, I'm going to tune you out. I'll listen, but I really will not apply this because it does not apply to me. This is a message for young people, not for me. Uh, au contraire. Au contraire. Uh, I want you to listen to this and pay careful con consideration to these points. Number one, David was no spring chicken when this happened. David was about 50 years old when he fell morally. He was not a young kid. Secondly, 1 Corinthians 10, 12 reminds us, therefore, let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. And as you study the context of 1 Corinthians 10, he is talking primarily about sexual impurity. He is talking about fornication. He is talking about adultery. We're also reminded in Proverbs that pride goes before a fall. So if you think that this doesn't apply to you because, you know, you're older, you're married, you're happily married, it couldn't happen to you, I would say this. Are, uh, the question I'd pose to you is, are you spiritually superior to King David? If you think that I would never do such a thing, then you are deceiving yourself. Because the heart is deceptive. It's desperately wicked. Also, keep in mind, I don't think David woke up that day and said, you know, I think I'll commit adultery today. I think I have nothing better to do. No, David woke up that day not realizing, not even thinking about this, that before the sun set, he would commit adultery that would haunt him the rest of his life. And I might add, would haunt his family, his dynasty, the rest of of their days. So, so uh, you may not be planning to commit adultery, but you need to listen very carefully because it's scary. Those who, who aren't planning, those who don't think they'll ever do this, are the ones who need to hear more than anybody else because the fear of God is not in you concerning this, and it needs to be. So we want to learn this morning about David's fall and how we can avoid our own fall. And I encourage you to take notes. And if you are, we're going to look at three reasons why David fell morally. I really believe that you can find out some causes for David's fall, some reasons behind his fall. You could almost predict it. And I want you to see why. We begin by, first of all, reason number one. He had unguarded leisure time unguarded leisure time. Beginning at verse 1, we read, Then it happened in the spring, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel, and they destroyed the sons of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. That's, that's the city of the Ammonites. But David stayed at Jerusalem. Now, as the chapter opens up, King David has been on the throne for about 20 years. He's well-established. He's very successful. He's at really the height of his career as king. He's enjoyed incredible success as a military leader, and Israel's empire has never been stronger. You must understand that. Never been stronger. David conquered many peoples, and uh, the empire has expanded. He's got money. He's got fame. He's got power. And it's at the, the, the pinnacle time in his career that David does a very dangerous thing that really leads to disaster. Verse 1 tells us when this took place. Now, the writer is not telling us that just so you and I would be well informed of when it took place. There's something else here. He tells us that it took place, notice verse 1, when it happened in the spring at the time when kings go out to battle. Now, um, he's telling us this, that the, uh, the rainy season has stopped. The rainy season has stopped. The rainy season in Israel starts about now. There are a few trickles when we were there. It starts about now and it'll continue till about March. That's the rainy season. But it stopped. 
So it's in the springtime now in Israel. Why is that important? Because in, during the rainy season, the roads would be hard to get through. So at the, at the end of the rainy season is the time normally when kings would go out to battle because they could, they could maneuver through the, through the roads in Israel. This is the normal time for kings to lead their armies to war. And David sends his soldiers out to war, but unlike other kings, David stayed home. David stayed home. He sent Joab, his general, to be in charge. And this is highly unusual. Kings never did that. Kings always led their armies in battle. Maybe now they don't do that, but in the ancient world they did. And they didn't stand behind them. They stood in front of them. And David was a great military leader. So why stay back in Jerusalem? David, why aren't you out there? He's not really an old man. 50 years old is not that old, right? Well, I don't know what some would say. I want to suggest to you that David had grown too complacent. That's why he stayed back home. Too satisfied with his own success and accomplishments. And this led to a, to a time of leisure, time of uh, relaxation, a little vacation time. But the problem was it carried over to his moral life. That's the problem. When he should have been out fighting the Lord's battle, David is home relaxing. And there's a principle here for us to, to gather in and to apply. I want you to not misunderstand this. I want you to get this. It is certainly not wrong to relax, to have leisure time, to take a break. I say that because some Christians don't believe that, or they certainly don't practice it. Uh, Jesus made sure his disciples took breaks. Jesus made sure that he got away from the crowd. The Old Testament speaks of Saturday as the Sabbath day. Stop your work. Have a little break. Get some refreshments. You can work harder again. It's certainly not wrong to take time off and to have a break and to know how to relax. And Christians need to learn that. Some need to learn that. But during those leisure times, and here's the danger, we are most vulnerable to moral temptation. You may not realize that, but that's true. Why? Because during those times of physical relaxation or even a change of pace, it's hard to maintain inner mental discipline. It's hard to maintain a, uh, a quiet time, Bible study, prayer that you normally have, at least you should normally have that. Why? You're on vacation. And so there's a tendency to get out of your schedule, relax even morally, let your guard down, think what can happen now, and as soon as you do that, you're open. You're open to temptation. Because that mental discipline is not there, that inner spiritual discipline is not there. We don't discipline our fleshly tendencies like we might do under the normal routines of life. Those who fall morally are often people with really too much time on their hands. Too much time on their hands. They've grown spiritually complacent. They are not as diligent as they once were in the discipline of their quiet time, in the discipline of their Bible study, in the discipline of of prayer and, and ministry. They have too much time on their hands. And with too much time on your hands... You think too much about yourself and your needs and wanting to do something. These people often feel safe and secure, and that's when temptation strikes. Satan knows your weak points. You're setting yourself up for a fall. You know, one of the most vulnerable times, I believe, in in life is when we're on vacation. When we're on vacation. It's easy to get out of the habit of quiet times when you're on vacation. After all, you're on vacation. 
you get up and you don't have to go to work right away. You don't have to set that that schedule where it has to fit here, it has to fit there. You got all the time in the world, and by the time you know it, you really have let those things go. Another dangerous time would be uh, at evenings, uh, weekends where we relax. Watching television is a very dangerous time in our life because we let down our guard, and sometimes we let down our moral guard. Also, I want to suggest to you that... uh, When you retire, that's a very dangerous time because you aren't busy like you once were. You don't have to maintain that fast-paced schedule, as we said. But it's easy to let the disciplines necessary for spiritual life go, even at that age. Be careless at at that time. You can be careless with the disciplines of getting into the Word and and spending real good quality and quantity time with the Lord. Why? Because you're retired. It's a dangerous time of life. Too much time on your hands to do those things that are self-indulgent rather than ministry and service to other people and uh, your time alone with the Lord. Now, contrary to that, the Apostle Paul never lived like that. The Apostle Paul was a disciplined man right to the end of his life. Remember what he said to Timothy when he was in jail, ready to be beheaded? He said, Timothy, when you come, bring me the parchments, especially the books. Up to the end of Paul's life, he was reading the word. He wanted the books, I would assume, theology books or other books. He was mentally sharp. It was the Apostle Paul and in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 who said this. He said, verse 24, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Lots of runners, but only one's going to win, he said. Run in such a way that you may win. You're not running in a physical race, but but in your spiritual life, run that you may win, that you may have victory over the flesh. And everyone, he says, who competes in the games, probably like the Olympic-type games, exercises self-control in all things. They then do this to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. All they're working for is a gold medal. We're working for rewards and to please the Lord. Therefore, Paul said, I run in such a way as not without aim. Paul followed his course. I box in such a way as not beating the air. Paul said, I'm not just swinging wildly. I know what I'm doing. There's discipline. But I buffet my body. I make it my slave, lest possibly after I have preached to others, I myself should be disqualified. Paul says, I'm telling others how to live morally. I'm telling others how to discipline themselves. I better make sure that I preach to myself. I better make sure that I'm self-controlled. Be very careful about that. It does, self-control doesn't stop when you retire. Self-control doesn't stop when you take a vacation. Discipline, mental discipline. Be careful of leisure time. It was the Apostle Paul in 1 Timothy 4.7 who said, Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. Godliness doesn't happen unless there's discipline. And leisure time often leads to a lack of discipline mentally, and that's where lust starts. So be careful that you don't allow the times of relaxation to, to affect a relaxed mental attitude and approach to life. Relax, enjoy it, but make sure the mind is not relaxed. Make sure your spiritual guard is not down. Be active, be serving, be so busy doing the Lord's work and worshiping him that your guard isn't down. That's the way life is. So what led to David's moral fall? First of all, unguarded leisure time. 
Unguarded leisure time. Be careful. Second reason, undisciplined passion. Not only unguarded leisure time, but undisciplined passion. Notice verse 2. Now, when evening came, David arose from his bed and walked around on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman bathing. And the woman was very beautiful in appearance. As David gets up from his late afternoon nap, it would be like a siesta. Uh, They would do that in the Middle East. This is probably early evening by now. But still daylight. He takes a stroll on the roof of his of his palace. Homes then were flat, and people would go up on their roof because uh, uh, the oppressive heat. Uh, they would want to get a little little cool air. And he went up on his uh, roof, and obviously it would be over the other roof, so he could look down. And from that vantage point, he sees a very beautiful woman bathing. Now the Hebrew is very specific on this. She was beautiful, very. She was very beautiful. Apparently, very warm day, and both David and Bathsheba are on their individual roofs. And, uh, and David saw her bathing. Now, you know what? At this point, David has not committed a sin. At this point, it's temptation. He sees a pretty lady bathing, and uh, he should have just turned away and gone back indoors. One Bible teacher described the situation this way. You know, it's always interesting to me that when I speak on subjects like this, you could hear a pin drop in the auditorium. Isn't that interesting? All right, the quotation. Okay. It gets very, very quiet these times. I quote, After the first glance, David should have turned the other way and retired to his chamber, but he did not. His look became a sinful stare and then a burning, sweaty leer. In that moment, David, who had been a man after God's own heart, became a dirty, leering old man. A lustful fixation came over him that would not be denied. I want to suggest to you that David's problem was not really with Bathsheba's bathing. That was a temptation. But David's real problem was that he was not used to controlling his passions. David did not condition himself to mentally controlling his emotions and passions so that when he saw Bathsheba, he wasn't about to say no to his flesh. He wasn't used to that. It was not a habit of of life with him. And let me show you what I mean. If you can turn your Bibles quickly to Deuteronomy chapter 17, if if not, just just listen or just mark it down. Deuteronomy 17 is a very important uh, passage uh, of, of scripture concerning the future king of Israel. Now, when, when Moses wrote this, there was no king in Israel. It was anticipation of someday Israel is going to have a, a king over them. In fact, they're going to have a lot of kings over them. But in Deuteronomy 17, notice verse 14, when you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you and you possess it and live in it and you say, I will set a king over me like all the nations who are around me. Okay, so when this happens, here's here's the instructions for the new king. You shall surely set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your countrymen. You shall set as king over yourselves, and you may not put a foreigner over yourself who is not your countryman. Moreover, he shall not multiply horses for himself. Okay, not multiply horses for himself. Very clear. He shall not cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses, since the Lord has said to you, you shall never again return this way. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself. Oh, that's interesting. Lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly increase silver and gold for himself. Don't have a lot of horses, don't have a lot of money, don't have a lot of wives. 
I'm afraid our time is running short, so I hope you can join us for the next verse by verse, and we will see how David disobeyed this command, why he disobeyed, and what happened as a result. We are delighted that you could join us today for this study from the life of King David. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve has been serving at Lakeside for over 27 years, and these radio adaptations of his messages are produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry and depend on the prayers and gifts of our listeners to keep these classes on the air. You will find us on the web at Verse by Verse Radio, that's all one word, versebyverseradio.org. We have today's class right there for you to review if you would like to, as well as hundreds of previous classes on the archives page. There is also a link near the top right corner of the homepage that will provide information as to how you can help the broadcasts to continue challenging and encouraging our listeners. The web address again is versebyverseradio.org. Today's class was the start of a three-part message. You can order a CD or cassette with the entire message by calling us at 727-239-0306. Leave your name and a phone number and we will return your call during regular office hours. In this life, temptation will come.